How many podcasts do you suppose they do here at the Jackson Airport today, Dave? I don't know, three, four dozen. <laughs> this is the Bearded Carcast. I am Mike Pacheco. He is Dave Friedman. We are getting ready to return to Charlotte after uh, Winthrop falling on the road. 80, what was it, 84, 63? 84, 63. That's right. Uh, that was a Wednesday night in Jackson, Mississippi at the Jackson I Coliseum. That was Tuesday night. Tuesday night, right? I say one. Today today's one. Today's Wednesday. Wednesday. Yeah. Well, it's, we also got up at zero dark thirty. Between the NFL playing on every day of the week yeah. and waking up very very early, it's okay. One of us was unable to return the car to the <laughs> rental office. It's the first time I've had to come in and close uh, on a on a trip to the. Return, but you gotta r- give car. me credit. I mean, Buck well, Showalter yeah, recently yeah, hired. That's right. You have to know when to call to the bullpen. That's right. That's right. Well, it just <laughs> so. So Dave took a wrong turn uh, at the airport here. So you had I to ended up in the parking, yeah, well, as opposed to in the rental. So car you either return. had to take a left into the par- into the rental return or straight to go into the parking deck. Now it's a normal, it's an easy mistake to make. But the the right lane there was like a concrete barrier, so you couldn't get in the right lane. So you can only go straight. So we decided we'll just try and get into parking and, and, and get out. Well, the the parking thing after about seven or eight tries, it wouldn't admit a ticket, it wouldn't uh, release a ticket. And then there was somebody behind us, so they. You did the smart thing. You put the flashes on. The person figured out that there was some sort of issue, so they backed up, and then that's when we ran into trouble. That's because right. you um, I you possess a lot of skills, but dr- driving in reverse or backing up is not one of your skills. That's that's actually completely inaccurate. I'm very good at backing up. I'm not used to driving very large vehicles. Well, this wasn't my, a very large vehicle. My, this car was this actually was a very large vehicle. No, no, this was smaller than your your anything car. that is four doors is a large vehicle. <laughs> I drive two-door cars that are as small as possible. And No, no, I, your, the, your Toyota has four doors. It, it does. It's not my preference. That was my grandpa's old car. Yeah. If I get a car... And that actually t- probably is longer than the RAV4 that we had. Right, but you can't look behind you in the RAV4 yes, and see in the same way that I see out of my two- or a four-door Do you use vehicle. mirrors, or do you just like look behind you? I turn in full and yeah. look behind me. So you don't use mirrors? No. Okay, that, that's okay. Now that now completely makes sense why we ended up on the curb. Right. But <laughs> after recognizing... Well, there was a little frustration. There, it, it's very early in the morning. After some frustration, I said, Mike, you, I know you haven't had your eight warm-up tosses, but, you know... I went in cold. You're right. Get some some stretching (laughs) done. You're backing this thing out. I do not use the backup camera, I think was the exact quote. I do not know how to use the backup camera. Right, I don't use the backup camera. I do not use the backup camera. And apparently now we know you don't use mirrors. That's right. (laughs) And that could. Now, this is a longer conversation for another podcast. Yeah, yeah. But that could explain why I'm not a very good driver. Maybe. Maybe. Well, interestingly, only we, but we only almost got into one serious wreck this time. One time. I think there were two last time, but but that was nine days. So, and often when we get in a near major wreck, I point my middle finger at someone, or I blame someone else. In this case, no, no, this was the best. This was the best. So, (laughs) you're trying to get over to the. It was like a four lane road, and you're trying to get over to the the far left lane, and you go to cut over, and then you realize instantaneously, and I think this car started beeping that there was a car coming up right behind us. So then you swerve over, and you're like, you need to learn how to drive. (laughs) And then I'm just keeping my mouth shut. I was like, I'm just. Well, they were right. Well, no, no, no. You said they need to learn how to drive, and then and then you. And then after about two minutes, you're like, no, that was my fault. Oh, was t- I didn't even realize I said they need <laughs> yeah. to learn how to drive. Well, yeah, I you mean, did. I mean you it did. was completely my <laughs> fault. So 100% my fault. <laughs> but, like, the thing is, 
if everyone just drives the speed limit and is an average okay driver, just like if every team is 500, doesn't make a million threes, doesn't get a bunch of dunks, that's boring. Yeah. I'm looking for interesting. Right. I'm looking for different. Now, I'm not suggesting that when you teach your son how to drive, yeah. you go, we're looking for different and interesting. Yeah. But I think like in everything else in life, you develop a personality as time goes on. And again, the only people I'm putting in harm's way are those <laughs> that are driving with me and everyone else on the road. And people in the car with you. Right. Those are the ones driving with yeah, me yeah. and everyone else on the right, road. Right. And, you know, we're in Jackson, Mississippi. This is not Manhattan. Well, and we were wearing seatbelts. So, of course. So that was good. That's always well, they a good do thing. save lives. Well, and we will probably in the next six months uh, or eight months uh, revisit, maybe not this particular conversation, but John will be learning how to drive. So that's. So the great story from my youth about learning to drive was my uncle and aunt lived on the other side of San Francisco than my family. So I grew up across the Golden Gate Bridge in the North Bay. And my, my cousins and my uncle and aunt lived in the South Bay. Mm. And my older cousin, Laura, was about to get her driver's license. And my dad said to her, hey, um, I think it is fantastic that you're learning how to drive. I'm really excited for you. I need you to do me one favor. If you ever approach the Golden Gate Bridge, I need you to pull over... I'll pay for it. You can make a collect call or, you know, you can invoice me for the 25 cents yeah. at the at the pay phone and call me and let me know. And I'll just get off the road so that, you know, there, <laughs> there are no problems. Should you should you go over the Golden Gate yeah. Bridge and be within 10 or 15 miles of, of where I live and where I drive? I'll just go ahead and clear the road for you so that <laughs> so that there, there are no issues. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. <laughs> So we uh, this was you know for a short trip we packed in a lot of excitement. We tend to do that. Yeah, and it wasn't all my driver. No, it wasn't. No, that was that was the icing on the, that was the cherry on the Sunday. <laughs> yeah, I mean we essentially had one full day because the team flew in the late afternoon, early right. evening on Monday, and then we were here all day Tuesday, and now we're to Wednesday morning. So we, we had all day Tuesday, and we went to shoot around with the team, mm -hmm. and then we it was liked, pretty uneventful. Yeah, except I mean, except for the fact that uh, we saw a convict walking across the parking lot. Oh, that was quite yeah. something. Yeah, we, a young youngish, uh, maybe mid twenties lady. Uh, at first, I thought it was just a holiday costume because she was wearing green and white striped pants, and you know, kind of like an oversized, you know. You know, it looked it looked almost more like a hospital top, and uh, and then when she went past us, and I saw Department of Corrections on the back, then I think, well, are we, are we, uh, are we, are we looking at someone who's yeah, like, escaped? I mean, I'm looking at a picture that I took of it, yeah. and it says M D O C yeah, Mississippi, so Mississippi Department, Department of Corrections, Corrections convict. convict. Yeah. So, so I thought, well, maybe, oh, geez, maybe someone's on the lam here, right? Like maybe on the run, and then. Some guy in like a beige pickup truck drove by. Now I have to. One thing I do. We were at the fairgrounds. So right. there's a bunch of buildings. There's the arena. There's, okay. So, uh, and so some guys driving by and waved to her. So then I, I deduced um, that she was probably on some sort of work release. That's right. Yeah. But it was just, it just you did something you don't see every day. Somebody wearing a 
did you see anything else yesterday that you don't see every day? <clears throat> well, I don't know if I would call it life-changing experience, but uh, I, I I was one with nature. We were we were two with nature yesterday. We went to uh, well this well my first petrified forest I believe. Your second. That's right. But this one was a little bit more. There was a little more juice to this one than the one you went to before. And and and, and by coastal because you went to one in Arizona. Yeah, the this one I the went to before is kind of the famous national park, and I was underwhelmed because yeah. in level of petrification it was a hundred out of a hundred there was no greenery at all there was no forest yeah. at all it was just things that had been so would you, say, would you characterize it as a badlands yeah probably in retrospect i would call it a badlands but the forest we went to had some petrified wood yeah. but not an enormous amount and, and what we learned and I, I found this to be really really interesting was at various times over tens of millions of years they've had more and less petrification yeah it's fascinating they did a nice little walking tour and it, it had, a, it had a, a book with it but that what I thought what was interesting is you know you don't think in these terms right 36 million years ago, they said a, a river had kind of started to come through this part of Mississippi, and it brought with it all sorts of debris from the north and the central part of, you know, what's now America. And in this, you know, flux of, of stuff was, you know, giant trees and, you know, all sorts of soot and sediment and rocks and, you know, maybe even some critters and some animals and things like that. So it all washed through here. And then uh, as the glaciers moved through and covered everything up, this stuff was buried and essentially was preserved uh, in the earth. And then with algae and, you know, other things, um, it started to calcify and, and make all this stuff, you know, what we would call petrified or, you know, uh, it would turn like a giant tree into like concrete. And then as kind of time has worn on and we've seen a little bit more erosion over the last 100, 150 years, a lot of the stuff has started to... Exactly. The cycle has essentially restarted. Yeah. And, and that's why everything doesn't look dead and petrified. Yeah. But there's, there's ostensibly a new forest that has grown on top or from within the petrified forest. Right, right. And uh, the other thing I thought was interesting too, I thought when we saw this, because basically what happens is... Uh, I think I'm going to uh, peel back the onion here a little bit. Basically, with food, I kind of defer to Dave because, first of all, he's like a thousand for a thousand in places that we've gone to. Um, but you do a lot of research. You have kind of your your own process and how you you know decide things. And we're, we basically are simpatico with, with the stuff that we go to. Um, with the cultural stuff that we do, we generally – that's more – Collaborative. Collaborative, right? And we this one both was kind of interesting to us, although we both had very low expectations. <laughs> I only had low expectations because the previous petrified forest I'd been to, which is a huge tourist attraction, is a national yeah. park. Didn't do it for you. It just, no. And, and like, honestly, national parks are wonderful, but you kind of need to go semi-prepared. This was not a national park. This is a privately right. owned and run park. And because you paid a pretty small admittance fee, they gave you information and it's well labeled. And there's there's a story and, and I just learned more. Now, if I had gone to the Marshall Station at the Petrified Forest in the West and I had 
gotten a map or maybe gotten a tour guide, I I very easily could have learned a lot more. Maybe my experience would have been different, but just very, very simply, I would prefer to walk around in wooded kind of aesthetically pleasing grounds than walk around a desert, which is what the other petrified forest looked like. But think about the, uh, just the heritage of the site, right? I mean, obviously, you know, it dates back to when they kind of first recorded and discovered that the petrified wood there was some, somewhere around the 1850s, 1854. And then, um, you know, up until, uh, you know, about the 1930s, it's, it started to, you know, not, it wasn't really known, but then in the 30s, it started to become more widely known. And then the, I think it's called the Shabillion family, they acquired the property in 1962. And then immediately, they started to do preservation on that land. And then in 1963, they opened it up to the public. And I think three years later, 1966, it became um, uh, a national historic site. So if not for the efforts of this family, you know, that could have been, now granted, it's probably 20 miles north of Jackson, 15 miles north of Jackson. So it's not exactly a, a spreading metropolis, but um, but it was right contoured. I mean, yeah. there, there was, the, 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 at one point they talk about um, how we were standing on one part of the the, uh, the forest that was 60 feet lower right which than, is than, yeah. incredible yeah. i mean it's it's fascinating and, and honestly what what this is about what year four maybe year five that we've been doing more than just this the is broadcast. season five of the bearded car cast season five of the car cast and did the first year of the car cast coincide with us doing kind of this other cultural i think maybe it was the second year what Maybe it was the second year. Maybe it was so, the first so yeah, year, regardless. Year, but year but we still were doing stuff, yeah. But, like, I came here to Jackson with uh, Randy Peel. I think it was his very first team yeah. as the head coach when Winthrop played Ole Miss at the same Jackson uh, Coliseum or Mississippi Coliseum. The building actually has undergone some renovations since then. It, it looked a lot nicer, nicer than when you were there, though apparently. Though it's still right? an old barn. Yeah. But um, in those days we did what I think the majority of traveling media or, or broadcasters do. I, I was with the team. I was on the bus. We ate the team meals, whether they be at the hotel or at a local restaurant. And it's very formulaic. Yeah. I don't remember seeing or doing anything in Jackson. And now to come back and to find the petrified forest and to get some local food it's just such much more of a rewarding experience. And the fact that there's an opportunity to kill you once or twice a trip, that yeah. really adds to it. Absolutely. And so then, so then from the Petrified Forest, we went to Gumbo Girl. That's right. Which uh, was established, I think, in 2015. Uh, the folks that, I think it's a husband and wife that own the joint, and uh, they have kind of a Cajun, kind of a New Orleans influence, and uh, they were in a, a, a smaller venue. It now doesn't place look like much. It's kind of in the middle of a nondescript right. strip so the, mall. And so they've been in this new location for about a year and a half. Very well decorated on the Beautifully inside. Beautifully decorated on the inside. I mean, the, if, let me put it this way. If you were blindfolded, dropped into this restaurant, you would think, wow, I'm, I'm in, I must be in like an older building. Or it's a, it's a, totally. You know, and the food was terrific. We'll get to the food in a second. Uh, but then you walk outside and you're like. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're, you're in a strip mall. But, uh, yeah, I mean. This is Mississippi, and they're kind of known for crawfish and the bayou. And to get gumbo, we're not far from Louisiana, yep. seemed seemed right. And, and it was a good call. I had more of a seafood. You had kind of more of a traditional uh, chicken, yeah, and, chicken and, and sausage. sausage. You had the, the seafood 
But I just now what was in there? Do you crawfish? I think there was crawfish and shrimp. Yeah. Um, but but I just love the flavor of gumbo. Sure. It's, it's got a little spice. And yeah. It's, well, it's, it's got kick to it, but it wasn't like overwhelming. Yeah, and it's hearty on what was kind of a, a fairly cold day. And yeah. like I I really enjoyed it. And then of course because I know you have a sweet tooth, and, and again you're going to a, a kind of New Orleans themed sort of restaurant. We had beignets. Uh, I've had beignets before several times. Uh, these rank up there with the best I've had. I mean, they were, uh, you know, they had the, the good, you know, hard shell, if you will, but it wasn't like hard. I mean, not hard in the sense of like biting hard. I mean, it was just a good, it was crispy. It was good crispy shell. Thank you. But very light and fluffy on the inside, very flavorful, and then topped with confection of sugar. Yeah, they're they're airy, and then when you bite into them, you get crunch. You taste the cinnamon and the sugar. And they're warm yeah. and delicious. They're warm and delicious. That was terrific. And it's a good thing that we had the experience at the Petrified Forest and at the uh Yeah, it was shaping up to be a great day. Because the game, mm. it didn't go great. It didn't go as well as Winthrop would have liked. And, you know, we knew coming in that, uh, oh, and by the way, you know, so I normally do the, um, the keys to the game. And I usually write them out, um, you know, 10, 15 minutes before the game. This time... I was inspired because we were in Yazoo City, Mississippi, which is which is right near Pocahontas. Place. So I, I started to kind of formulate, you know, you know, we had already talked to Mark Prosser, the Winthrop head coach. So I, I'd already started to kind of think about. So that's kind of where the, you know, the the home office, yeah, the command center where we did the keys to the game. But I thought that the two biggest ones were Winthrop had to limit their turnovers and make their shots. And by shots, I mean make threes. And um, in the first half, they didn't do either one of those. Well, in the first half, Mississippi State just well, they came up, dominated the yeah. basketball game. I mean, they, they, they did what Power Five teams are supposed to do against lesser-resourced, smaller teams. They, they big-boyed Winthrop. They are bigger, they are stronger, they are faster, they are more athletic, and they were out to prove that early on. In the first half, Mississippi State was 20 of 30 shooting. And all those other things you said, Winthrop turned the ball over too much. Mississippi State hit more threes than Winthrop did. But for the first, I don't know, 15 minutes of the game, maybe not the first five minutes, from the from the five minute in to 15 minute in, it was just kind of a clinic on terrific Mississippi State defense. There were yeah. no no room to maneuver. There, there, there were kind of low percentage shots. There were one and duns. There were Winthrop turnovers. And Mississippi State on offense, they kind of gashed Winthrop. Now, the Eagles got their legs under him and actually came close to outscoring Mississippi yeah. State in the second half, but the game was long gone. No, but I will say this because I was, you know, there's no more victories, obviously, right? But I did like the fact that, you know, Winthrop fought for 40 minutes. It wasn't, you know, like. They got down and, and gave up. I mean, they, they fought. They battled. And that's I think that's something that will help them moving forward uh, because, obviously, they're not going to – and they have not and they will not again until NCAA tournament, hopefully, play a team that is no this question. So no, I mean, th this is a team that has a 
preseason first team SEC yeah. guard. They had an all ACC player. Right. Garrison for... Brooks, who was a preseason ACC player of the year a yeah. couple of years ago, and a bunch of other guys. I mean, Ben Howland's won over 500 games for good reason. And he's yeah. a versatile coach who led the country in offense at Northern Arizona and led it in defense at Pittsburgh and then went to UCLA and went to three Final Fours. Yeah. I mean, he knows a thing or two about building a roster. Well, and you know, you know, our good friend Pat Kelsey, who used to be the head coach at Winthrop, this is a game that he would call a Noah's Ark game because they have two of everything. And yeah. literally they did. Now, Winthrop had DJ Burns. DJ played fantastic. And of course, you know, BJ's, you know, big six foot nine, um, you know, played at Tennessee uh, or was at Tennessee for a year. He he was the only player that could, could kind of kind of navigate that. Um, he looked the part at least, in and the he first likes playing half those power five when, games. When Loves it. The rest of the team didn't really look like they fit in. Again, they got their sea legs under him in the second yeah. half. It was. A, I thought Kel Telford played terrific again. He he did, and that's the interesting thing. If you take the nine of eleven shooting for DJ Burns, the four of five shooting for Kelton Telford, and the three of five shooting from Chase Claxton, and those are your three kind of back-to-the-basket traditional posts. And Chase is playing more on the perimeter this year and did hit a three. But if you take those three guys, they go 16 of 21 from the floor. That means the rest of the team was 6 of 28 Mm. shooting. Yeah. Well, that's not good enough. And and that's not on one player, but you gotta get more out of your guards in terms yeah. of scoring, and that I think has been a trend that we've seen through this preseason. Yeah, we talked about that at Elon. Yeah, you know, and it's been up and down. I mean, there've been you know games where the guards have been terrific, so it's not to say that they've been poor. Um, I, I mean, think just going into conference play, there, there needs to be more balanced scoring moving you forward. You referenced the outstanding former coach and our good personal friend a moment ago. He would tell you that players are going to revert to the back of their baseball, baseball card. card. Yeah. Josh Corbin shot 40% from three last year. He's a sniper. He's in a prolonged slump. My guess, I could be wrong about this. We've seen guys go on season-long slumps. But my guess is against Big South competition that's not quite as big, that's a little bit slower when he is not the first guy you know that that they look at as saying we can't let him get open shots he's gonna get some shots to go and shooters tend to be really really streaky streaky. but they need him and they need russell jones to hit shots and they need drew bugs and patrick good and those guards sincere mcmahon to knock down some shots because otherwise teams are going to pack it in defensively and things are going to start to bog down for DJ and company. This is a really, really key here. Roughly 14-day stretch for Winthrop. It's December 22nd, and the league season begins, I think, on January 5th at High Point, if I'm not mistaken. So you've got about two weeks. Once the league season begins... You're in a routine and a rhythm, and maybe COVID's going to disrupt that. I yeah. don't know. But by and Hopefully large, not. you're going to be playing every three days. So between an off day for NCAA-mandated academics and, and, and recovery, you're basically every day is prep. You're yeah. prepping for the next game. You're prepping for the next game. You're breaking down what happened in the last game, and you're prepping for the next game. For the next two weeks— 
you can do whatever you want. There's just right. one non-Division One opponent on December 31st, and then you're getting ready for the league season. Now, the players are flying home to spend time with family for the holidays, which is absolutely appropriate. Absolutely. But mm -hmm. the coaches will work throughout that entire time. They'll be watching film. They'll be looking at numbers. They'll be consulting with their friends in the industry. And, and when the players come back, you're going to have more than a week before the league season begins. And this is the time that good staffs make appropriate adjustments. And, and I, I'm not a basketball coach. I can't tell what? you whether Winthrop should be playing more traditional post players, like two guys in the block instead yeah. of four out. I don't know if they should press more or they should play some zone or it's different personnel groupings or just tweaks in what they're doing. I think you can make a very strong argument, assuming they beat Converse. They're seven and six in the non-conference. Their resume is very, very similar to what Winthrop was two years mm -hmm. ago. So you got a bad loss against Elon. That's the Tennessee Tech loss from two years ago. You have a good win against Furman. I think they lost to Furman that year. Power Winthrop five win. beat Right. Winthrop beat Washington this year. They beat a ranked St. Mary's team that year. I think there are a lot of similarities yeah. there, but that doesn't mean you get to the league season and you go, yeah, everything is perfectly fine. You make your minor adjustments as you go, but this is the opportunity to do that. It, it's possible. I think Winthrop is the best league win this year. I think the, the mm -hmm. Furman league win, at least out of the, every team's non-conference, I think that's that's the, the best one from a net perspective. Yeah. The win at Washington is probably the most impactful. It's the league's only power five mm -hmm. victory. So, uh, you know, Give credit to the teams that have played well so far, the Ashevilles and the Campbells of the world, but they, they don't have those kind of like marquee wow yeah. sort of victories. My guess is that Winthrop right now is one of the two or three best teams and maybe the best team in the league. So maybe your coaching staff looks at all the tape, evaluates everything and says, you know what? It hasn't been perfect. But we're, we're right where we need, need to, to be. be right. But this is that 10 days, two weeks that you do that evaluation, that you think about it. If there are changes to make, you make them. The players get time with their families. They get to rest, kind of take a mental vacation. Yeah. And you come back and you focus in on the one or two or three areas that deserve and merit that, that attention. Yeah, I think we're going to do the same thing. I think we're going to go back, listen to a couple of game tapes, maybe watch some film. We kind right. of evaluate the, the bearded car cast. Right, so, like, you could look at Winthrop and say, God, DJ Burns has been amazing so far, particularly on the offensive end. Do they use him too little? Do they mm. use him too much? We could look at our broadcast and go, man, that experience at the Washington State Creamery right. where we got the Cougar Gold That's cheese, when we were introduced to Cougar Gold. It was, and this, it was that, just That was a life-changing experience. But, I mean... We've talked about it a lot on the air during the first half of the season. Yes, we have. Have, have we overdone it? I don't know. Have we underdone it? Have we underdone it? it? Bearded Carcast at Outlook.com. Should Send we talk email. more we about Cougar check the Gold? Email. Maybe I'll do Jeez. that while I'm talking. Yeah, Vamp, we fill a little time here. I'm going to check the And email. what other thoughts do you have about the broadcast through uh, 12 games? I think we've done a good job of uh, sprinkling in some of our shenanigans. You do? As we normally do. Oh, I haven't oh, noticed oh, any. Uh, tell the DA story. What, the, uh, what story? So the uh, shenanigans we did with DA last year. So they do a year-round like recap of like their best like twenty or thirty bits, and they whittle it down to like a top ten, and we're in the top five. Yeah, they, they well, yeah, that 
that's it. They they kind of go through the entire year of all of their favorite segments that's of the it. year, their funniest, most entertaining, most off the wall moments. And and you remember last year that for a couple handful of games, we were taking catchphrases from their show and we were integrating them into our broadcast and. I think they're down to the final two or final three, and our bit hasn't been played yet, which means we're, we're still in the running. Right, we're, we're one of their favorite bits of the year, which is fantastic. It means that people were amused and entertained. And, you know, as Hank Greenwald used to say, my job is not to win the game. We don't have any impact on the game. My job is to make the, the game entertaining. And if it's a really close game, we don't have a huge amount of time to to talk about our nonsense but like last night's game it's a 20-point game was kind of a 20-point game most of the way and you're going to hear about you know the volcano that uh once upon a time <laughs> erupted in jackson and is now the site of the mississippi coliseum I, I think they missed an opportunity to um to maybe have like a tunnel down into the volcano yeah you know i mean and it, and it is on a uh, fairground yeah. So you, that that would be a you know a good, um, you know I think that would be a pretty good attraction. Yeah, I mean we might have mentioned you know some come famous for the, come alums. for the fried Oreos and then you know go down to the volcano. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. We might have mentioned some of the famous alums of yeah. Mississippi State, great baseball players, Dak Prescott and Machine Gun Kelly. Yeah, I, and, I, and now we have to be clear about this. We're talking about the the outlaw from the 1920s, like the the the. Al Capone era Machine Gun Kelly. Right. Yeah. That's the one. Not the rapper. Yeah. That's right. Right. Did you have a favorite um, Mississippi State alum that we talked about? Um, there was the basketball player that I had never heard of. And yeah, the one from the 50s yep. that was their second, number two overall draft pick. I don't know. I mean, I, I wouldn't say I have a favorite Mississippi State alum. Do you have a favorite moment from the non-conference season? Wow, that is a great question. See, we've done a lot of stuff. We went to the Country Music Hall of Fame when we were in Nashville. You know what? I mean, we kind of kind of hit the uh, the mother load. I mean, I thought the the, uh, the Country Music Hall of Fame I thought was fascinating. We probably didn't have as uh, that one. We had to kind of cut short time wise. I mean, we spent maybe an hour and a half there. I, I think we could have spent a little more time there. Um, I thought that was fascinating. I thought the obviously the the Flight Museum in Washington was fascinating. Yep. Um, we got a good walk-in at Microsoft. I thought that was I love that. that was good. There was some some nice uh, niche stuff that we saw there. Um, the Kraken game was fun. Yes. Uh, Ivar's. Yeah. Was fun. Um, I had a guy ask me if I worked on the docks in Seattle. That did you? Yeah. No, did you work on the docks? I, uh, Johnny, uh, Tommy used to work on the docks. <laughs> Tommy, Tommy used to work on the docks. But let's be honest. I mean, you 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 can. You can filibuster all you want. The creamery. The That's creamery the was. Done. So here's the thing about the creamery. Um, you know, and I think we talked about this in the earlier episode, so I'll, I'll be brief about this. You know, for me, it, it kind of geeked me out a little bit because one of my jobs through college, helped me pay for school, was working in an ice cream factory. Uh, now, we didn't have cheese there. So that was, that was maybe the – so I got the nostalgia of working in ice cream. But let's be honest with you, the creamery is all about the cheese and the cougar gold no and, the, and the story of the cougar gold. And that is like that's only like not even half the story. The rest of it is it's just really good cheese. And then right. the garlic and what is it? The garlic and herb or something like that that we had, too, was fantastic. I cannot wait. 
uh, when I get home, uh, we have some uh, Cougar Gold. It's really going to be a happy holiday. Oh, happy holiday. We got two cans. I got the All because of the cheese. Well, forget well, the not tree. not all because of that. Forget the family. Just the cheese. Well, no, I think there's going to be more to it than that. More? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, more to it than that. What, what are you doing for the holidays? What's your... Uh, I'm eating Cougar Gold. That's it? From from sun up to sundown. Now you're very fortunate. Now we we have a good uh, cooking experience um, at home, so it's uh, it's good. And you, of course, Nicole is a is a fantastic cook. Are you, are you but who needs to cook when you've got tins and tins of cheese? <laughs> wow, you're all in on the Cougar Gold. Love the Cougar Gold. It's actually kind of my diet is basically Cougar Gold and apples. That's true. It's a balanced. That diet. is a balanced diet. Yeah. Yeah. You have a uh, high, good fiber, yeah. good dairy. Excellent. Apple. You know, I've heard an apple a day keeps the doctor away. So what is six or eight? You know, what's yeah? What's what's wrong with six or eight? Right. There's nothing wrong with six. Or eight. Although this year was a little bit. Uh, in North Carolina, the, the apple the crop. The freeze. The freeze hurt the apple crop well, in North so Carolina. So what was your favorite? I mean, I think I know the answer to this. Okay. Uh, since we already know that your answer is outside of Cougar Gold and the Washington State Creamery, what has been what has been your 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 favorite uh, moment? Well, the broadcast at Washington State was totally off the tracks, <laughs> and I really enjoyed that. I mean, we were in our own yeah. world, yeah. And, and and then when the, game, the game got, got good, tight, we, we were able up. to yeah, reel yeah, it yeah, back yeah, in. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that was really enjoyable. The win at at Washington was great. The Furman game was great. There there've been a lot of highlights. I mean. It's really nice to be around this group of people. It, it, yeah. It's 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 a fun um, um, team to be around, and I have high hopes for where the rest of the year goes. And now we get to go back to all the Big South venues where we've seen so much. Well, the Cubane Center is going to be a new the new addition True. to the new new venue high there. Point. But I mean, like. And by the way, Jackson is the high point of state capitals. <laughs> I, I've heard that before, very recently, in fact, from you. Um, but, but like, coming to Jackson, and you and I having never been here before, we can find, like, quite a few different things to see and do. This is year, say, four or five of doing what, what we do with the, the companion content. Mm-hmm. What, what do we have up our sleeve? Like, what else can we do in Shelby? We've been to the Lineman Museum. We've been to the um, um, what? What was in downtown Shelby there? That that museum about the musician. What was that called? Oh, the Earl Scruggs. The Earl Scruggs. And we actually museum. saw Earl Scruggs was in the country hall. There was a right. thing about him. Right. I mean, there. the Earl Scruggs Museum was great. We've been to the Boiling Spring yeah. on the Gardner Webb campus. Like. What else are we going to find? I mean, some of these places we've gone, Presbyterian is one. We, we don't have a lot of natural things remaining. Right. So I, I think you can look forward to uh, what we can uh, find up our sleeve on these trips. All right. Well, send us an email, beardedcarcast at outlook.com. If you have any comments on anything that you've heard. Um, oh, by the way, uh, Yuan Sonia, you. Mm-hmm. Uh, Y-U-A-N, Sonia, S-O-N-I-A. Did you receive the proposal I sent you? No, Yuan, we have not. We have not seen the proposal. Hmm. So, sorry about that. But you can uh, send us an email, beardcarcast at outlook.com. This is listener-supported beardcast, so 
if you want to uh, Venmo us some money. No, I'm just kidding. But uh, well, no, certainly if you want to sponsor the show, you're certainly welcome to do that. We are. Uh, we're probably going to take a week off. I think next week. Uh, well, there are no more road games no more until, road games until, until High Point. So right, I think so this is the last car cast. The last car cast of the 2021 season. Before we go on a one-week hiatus and then we pick it back up when the Eagles play at High Point. For Dave Friedman, I am Mike Pacino. This has been the Bearded Car Cast. It is 5 GMT.